0: You're listening to episode number 244. Now, I need to preface on today's episode before you dive into it that none of this is shared with you in order to create any heightened anxiety or fear or panic or anything like that related to the COVID 19 or the specific strain of the coronavirus that is going on. And I'm positive you have seen talked about in the media, on the news, on the radio, or seen across social media. But the reason that I wanted to share today's episode with you is both myself and today's guest, we live in Washington State, and you'll hear a lot more from my guest, Anne, from a farm girl in the making, because she happens to live right near where there have been the most deaths in washington state over 10 at the time of this recording and is experiencing some of the actual quarantine actions around where she lives where people are being quarantined so i really wanted to talk about it because ann and i actually have gotten to become friends we live Kind of close to each other, about two hours apart. So we've gotten to meet in person and go antique and thrift store shopping together, which was a lot of fun. And we're both homesteaders. But she's a lot closer to it than I am. But even living here where I do in Washington State, we have seen signs in our own stores of people panicking and being sold out of things. So we wanted to talk about what was going on today and how homesteading, homesteading, excuse me, leaves us better equipped, but also how there's kind of an emotional side to this. And if you're not sure that you are properly prepared and stocked to go through, maybe being quarantined or not being able to go to the grocery store or grocery stores, perhaps not having food, kind of talking about the mindset and thinking about things to plan ahead and how we're using this opportunity to assess where we're at. And even though both of us are avid homesteaders who raise a lot of our own food and preserve a lot of our own food and have that here on our homesteads, that we both recognized and saw holes or areas that we weren't as prepared as we thought we were. So all of this is shared with you In order to help you become better prepared and aware of what's going on, shed some light on it, and in the hopes that it will have more people drawn to the self-sufficiency and homesteading way of life and things that we're doing to prepare ourselves because of where we're at and what's going on right now in real time with the coronavirus in our specific communities. And it's a little bit different, like I said, for Anne. She's experiencing it a lot more than I am, but it's even reaching out into my county and into my grocery stores some of the stuff that's going on. So all of that to say that this is with the best of intentions to help people and to inform people and kind of share some of the mindset um, and thoughts that are going on through this. It is in no way meant to be be any type of fear mongering. So if you are already in a state where maybe you feel afraid or panicked or things like this cause you stress, I just want to let you know, heads up that we talk about it. We also talk about it in a very, in reality. <laughs> I know that you're probably like, what? Of course you talk about it in reality. I guess what I mean by that is we're talking real. So we're not sugarcoating anything, but nor are we heightening or making things more of You know, worse off for sensationalization, which I feel is happening somewhat in the media as well. But I just kind of want to be really upfront about what this episode is and the hopes that it will really help people become better better prepared and mentally prepared as well. And not just for something like this with the COVID-19, but actually with anything that has to do with where you would need to be relying upon your own stores. And that could be for a varying of reasons. So without further ado, we're gonna just dive straight into this because there's a lot of great information. We do talk about what's going on, where Anne's at right now and how things are being handled, but also give some great tips for looking at your food storage, things that you can do right now um, to be basically prepared. And then as you're even looking at your food storage, regardless of any type of emergency preparation, but just as you look at what you're going to be putting up this year and planting and growing this year and how that evolves and changes. So I think you're really going to enjoy today's episode. I hope you do. So without further ado, let's dive straight into it. I am so excited for today's guest, Anne, my dear, welcome to the Pioneering Today podcast. Hey, how are you doing? I'm good. I'm, it sounds kind of funny to say that I'm excited to talk to you about this topic, but I feel like it's an actual very, it's a real topic that needs to be addressed that we don't often talk about or see when we're sharing about homesteading and the different things because we kind of have homesteading sometimes set up in our mind as a little bit of idealist or romanticized a little bit. And there are so many wonderful things about homesteading. It's very easy to do that even for myself, but there's also like the real life and there's the harder aspects of homesteading, which in light of recent events has really come across. And I know you're experiencing it more so than I am, but both of us are kind of in some of those hotspot zones. So thank you so much for jumping on today.
1: I think you nailed it when you just said, you know, here's the real truth about why we go into our lives almost in a friend. So yeah, I'm really excited about talking to, that, to talk about this topic. Absolutely.
0: Yeah. So for listeners who aren't as familiar with you and your location as mine, uh, we're both in Washington State. I'm um, about... Actually, probably about two hours from Anne going northeast, further north and up into the foothills uh, than she is. And so I'm right now, the coronavirus is a, a very real thing that's happening. And we've had uh, deaths and Anne is a lot closer to it than I am. Um, the neighboring county to mine has reported cases, but my actual county has not yet. But Anne, just kind of let everybody know like where you're at and kind of what's happening in relation to the coronavirus with where you're at?
1: Like Melissa says, I'm about two hours a little south of her in that sense. And um, we are right at ground zero. We are, and it's weird to say that because I never thought in a million years that I would say I'm at ground zero for anything. And um, we're in ground zero. We're in King County where um, the death toll has actually Um, happened in our county with um, one outside of the county in Snohomish County where Melissa was talking. And um, we are in quarantine city. So basically, those who um, have passed have happened two towns over from me. As a matter of fact, I have two young gentlemen in their 20s right now in quarantine at Swedish Medical Center here in Issaquah, which is um, only right down the road from my house. The high school student who was quarantined is actually 15 minutes um, a little more south from me at the high school down there. And um, we are seeing the true impact of what it means to be on Ground Zero. And, you know, and it's really weird to say it like that because I think people understand what Ground Zero means, but people who do not live in our area have no idea into the the panic mode of um, the conditions in which we're living in right now.
0: Yeah. And it's funny because Ann and I were were talking earlier this week, actually, and I reached out to her and I'm like, hey, how are you doing? Because I knew (laughs) that she was in, they were being quarantined. I'm not. We're not being quarantined where I live. Like I said, we're one county away from one of the deaths, so we're not experiencing quarantines yet. But I knew that Ann was. And so I just kind of reached out and like, hey, how you doing? And we ended up talking and I'm like, we just need to make this into a a podcast episode. Yeah, Um, absolutely. but, But even where I'm at, there is a lot of panic. I mean, our local Costco, which I'm going to tomorrow for just my normal stock up trip. So I'm not like going into panic mode. I'm not going and buying anything extra other than what I would normally be purchasing in my regular rotation. But they're wiped out of bottled water, toilet paper, Mm -hmm. Clorox wipes. Um, A lot of places are out of beans and rice, or they're limiting um, your the amount that you're allowed to purchase, so that's right. more for people, yeah. and people aren't. But it's it's a really thing, and I think part of what has bothered me about this is I've seen, a, of course, social media, and everybody has an opinion on on social media, like like God bless <laughs> us one way or the other. Um, but what's kind of there seems to be two two camps. There's like um, you know the camp of people who are fearing or are feeling a little bit of anxiety and like, man, I, I don't know that I've got everything that I need. And I'm, and I'm kind of fearful of this. And then you have the other camp that are like, oh, you know, people are just overreacting. And there may be truth to both of those opinions, but it seems like it's it's very divided. And part of me is like, <laughs> yeah, but you, it's easy to say that when you're living right. in an area that's not, experiencing this and maybe you are prepared. Like I know Anne's prepared. I'm prepared. I have food. I don't have to go to town. Like I'm going to, I got to go get some chicken feed. Even in that I don't have to go. I still have some and I could, you know, my chickens could forage if need be. I am prepared, but it still affects those around us. And it affects how our way of living when this is happening, especially when you're right there and Anne's a lot more there than I am. So I kind of wanted to share that too, because I think it's easy for people to sit back and be arm like recliner chair judges <laughs> almost. And kind you of know, what I think it, people that are, they may be panicking and yes, maybe they aren't prepared, uh-huh. but that doesn't change the fact that they're still your neighbor. If this is an incident where you're at and there's, and there are people, I don't know. That's kind of how my heart's feeling right now.
1: And I think what you said that, you know, there's two types of people that actually view what's happening right now. I think what it is is that, you know, it, it, People realized where I was when I created a post um, just highlighting a shelving system in a local market that had absolutely (laughs) no toilet paper, very minimal paper towels, um, tissue boxes were being bought left and right because the toilet paper was gone and my my post was just to say, you know, this is where I'm at, because people knew I was in Washington State. They didn't know exactly where I was in Washington State. So when they found out where I was in Washington State, I, I received a lot of love and a lot of support of, you know, just stay safe. You know, you know what the protocol is. But then I received a message that was, well, not one, but a few messages that were um, basically stating that I was inciting fear into people and that I should stop doing that and I think they forget that the lifestyle that I live and that you live, we are prepared for something like this. We are prepared. This is why we got into this. We own our food stores, we're prepared for it, Um, and that I'm not out to, you know, make anybody fearful of what's happening, but like you said, people want to only know, well, this is what I've said, people only wanna know so much because they cannot really truly understand the concept of what it's like to be in this spot. You know, I don't ever have to leave my mountainside for the next couple of months, to be honest with you. We've got enough meat in the freezer, enough food canned up. I've got a sourdough starter where I don't need the yeast. I have enough flour put up on the side. We've got everything that we need. Um, you know, we we have toilet paper. <laughs> we've got natural items to clean our home and, and keep ourselves healthy. Um, we've always lived the holistic approach. And, you know, I think that what people don't understand is the impact of how others that don't live our life are feeling right now. And I think when I told Melissa what brought this on, was I told Melissa, when she asked me how it was doing, I was like, oh, I'm fine. You know, we as a family are fine. I said, but I am emotionally drained. I am emotionally drained right now. And the reason why is because I look at these people who were, had no even thought or, you know, concept of wanting to be prepared in any way, shape or form until something like this hit. And now you're sitting in ground zero in King County and I'm sitting two towns away from, you know, two towns away from death, uh, basically in the same town of quarantine, you know, and things like that. It, it's emotionally draining. It's draining to see that all these shelves are empty, that people are in a panic, that, that people aren't talking to each other. There's no talking to each other. I don't think people realize that. They go to the market. They keep their heads down now. They don't make eye contact with anyone. They grab their stuff and they run. <laughs> that, that's that's what it's like to live in this area. Justin and I went to the Asian market um yesterday. Uh, I had to pick up some staples that we use because I am, you know, half Asian and we picked up some items and to see that the whole rice section was completely wiped out. Like there was nothing, there was nothing. And this is, you know, a nature market is full of just different varieties of rice everywhere, but it was wiped out, gone, gone. And, you know, it's, it's impactful to see, you know, people, people who do not, normally would shop week to week you know are stocking up and they're afraid you know like Melissa said there's no hand sanitizer we're you know we don't use hand sanitizer I know she doesn't use hand sanitizer but there's nothing to be found and the the impact of just the lack of just, it's the fear that's in them you know what I mean and it's hard it's hard to see it's hard to feel um And I think that that is what people don't realize when you're living here. I allow myself to check the news, Melissa, only once a day. Once a day. Yeah. Because of, you know, just knowing that it's increasing. Um, You know, with the warmer weather, they say that it's going to pull back and withdraw a little bit. But if it's not, right, if COVID-19 is not figured out by the time wintertime comes again, guess what happens? It escalates again. So right. we could be looking at this, you know, for a couple of months and then all of a sudden see less quarantine, less death. And then, however, if it's not resolved or not figured out in a sense of a vaccine for some of these people, it's back up to where it was as it is now. Right. And,
0: so. you know, too, is and I know, like I said, there is so much there's so much with this that's unknown. And I've heard a lot of people say, well, it's caused mm-hmm. less deaths than the flu does annually. And <laughs> and yes, at this point, that is true. But, it, and I'm right. not here to, to dive into all the science and the biology and stuff, because quite honestly, I, I'm not the person who has studied it enough. And even the experts, like I'm not going to make comments on that. Like that's I don't have the education to actually make educated comments right. on that because I, I don't I don't understand it at that level and there's so much misinformation i feel that's coming out and just so much that is still unknown that i don't really even want to go there but right to your point is yes we don't i I think some of the things is i actually think that some good will come of this because there will be some people that will be okay i need to figure out ways to be more sustainable like i've kind of known it and this is the nudge that they're gonna need to start to embrace this, this whole lifestyle that Ann and I both, the whole homesteading, the modern homesteading, self-sufficiency, growing your own food, preserving it, like all of this, it's going to nudge people to this more. And that actually, I'm like, that's, that's a blessing. Like, I hate that it takes some type of tragedy to right. do that, but I think it is going to bring awareness. And I think that we have to look at the positive And I think that is a positive. But even for like people like Ann and I, like we're saying, like, yeah, I, I'm not going and stocking up on, you know, really anything other than just my normal rotation of things. Um, But my I've actually already been impacted by this. And because it's going global and with imports and exports yeah. and like things from yeah. China and Ann and I were, were talking before I <laughs> started to record and like, So I try to purchase a lot of things local, make my own stuff. But I'm going to be honest, there are some things that I get that do come from China. And one of those is my eyeglasses. Um, I don't wear contacts, but I have a severe astigmatism and I have to wear glasses. And I had had the same pair of glasses for like four years. They're getting super scratched up. And so I ordered a new pair of eyeglasses and they are made and shipped from China. Now, I ordered these before the whole thing had really broken out. Like I ordered my eyeglasses in... Oh goodness, I think it was January. And normally they come quite quickly within like a few weeks, which is pretty fast. And they weren't coming, they weren't coming. I'm like, man, I ordered those. I wonder if they got lost in transit. Like, I need to go check the tracking on these. It's been a while. And then I started to get notices from them that because that's when everything in China, they started to go on quarantine and the plant that the my glasses were being made at, there were no workers. Now I did actually get. My glasses. They did finally come, but it was like three times the a length of time that they normally would. And it really made me realize I'm like, man, this is just one little thing. But if they continue to have to have the quarantines and everything is shut down, right. how and then we start to experience this in America, which we are now, how much is this going to impact us, not just in this immediate part? And we don't really even know yet. So it's speculation. I think it's something that we should think about not in a fearful way, but just in, you know, pragmatic and adjusting our thinking and maybe preparing our thinking for down the road, we might, some of the stuff that's being sold out right now, it may not be replaced or it might be replaced in small amounts. And so thinking about, well, what am I going to do if I can't get this from the store? What are some of my alternatives that I can start to prepare for now? And
1: I think that that's what it is, is that people do not really stop and think about. So, you know, like you said, you have your two teams, right? So in the long run... There is nothing that we can do other than stay healthy, wash our hands, don't touch our faces, things like that, right? So that's, that's and keeping yourself as isolated as possible and staying away from town or wherever you're going to go or whatever you're going to do. Now, unfortunately, that flows into what's going to happen with import-export. Like you said, where does it start from there? I mean, it could take up to three months, even as, let's just say, okay, hypothetically speaking, let's just say that the trade is closed down because of it just starting to spread. I mean, I was talking to, I teach at a Christian preschool two days a week for um, four hours at a time. I was talking to a family that was there just yesterday, and guess what? They now have quarantined almost 25 people because those people had traveled abroad from India, and they brought it back. So they have now started beginning quarantine in India of families uh, families and individuals who have the COVID-19 okay so this is now gone past just china to ground zero where we're at right now and whatnot it's going everywhere i have friends in new zealand who homestead in new zealand that have cases reported already so what happens if trade does shut down right because we you know america is going to say we need to control what we have right here let's close down trade and once they open trade guess what happens it's not immediate we're looking at a couple of months before the continual flow of product is returned back to our soil. So what happens at that point? And that's what I think you and I were talking about was, if that happens, where do we go from there? Is medicine available? Is prescriptions available? You, you know, Melissa, I don't, you know, you have health issues. I have health issues that we take prescription medicine for. And then on top of that, you know, do we have enough herbs that if we would normally order from somewhere is it now available for us to continue to live a holistic life right you know toilet paper runs out big deal you cut up a couple of shirts do you know what do we need you know where are we at is our chicken feed you know is it milled in the u.s is it there do we keep it there are we going to be able to be replenished from that point forward And I think that that's what the question is, is that as the type of individuals that we are living the lifestyle that we do, we think about that stuff in the long run. We're not here to, you know, incite fear on anyone. We live a planning, true concept of everyday life, but we don't look at it day by day. As many of the individuals who are ground zero are doing, we live it as what's going to happen next week, next month, in a couple months, in a year from now. And I think that that is the bonus that we have for the lifestyle that we live. You had said that you thought that individuals were going to be, you know, more on board in regards to, um, you know, you know, wanting to own a little bit more. To me, I hope that that's true. I mean, you know, stocking up on toilet paper and cold medicine. <laughs> May may not be enough for these individuals, you know, I don't expect everyone to go out and buy land and start, you know, doing everything that they're going to do. But I do hope that what I see from my friends in town, and what I see from the people that I cross on the street is that they will realize that there takes more to being planned for than anything else. You know what I mean? And yeah,
0: yeah, I completely agree. And even for me, like, I've really taken this opportunity, and, and like I said, and, and I hope that it's not, this isn't causing panic or, or fear in anybody, uh, because that's not the intention. The intention is to mm-hmm. not bury our heads in the sand, and, you know, because there's there's a danger in that, right? There's a danger in everything. But right. if you look at it kind of from a realistic um, standpoint, you do what you can, and the rest I personally leave up to God, um, you know, or whatnot, and just go from there. But I've really taking this opportunity to look and to be like, okay, um, what am I out of that I'm going to town? You know, and, and what yes. do I, where, where have I allowed maybe not to keep as well stocked as it should be. And for one of them is mm-hmm. I just ran out of, which is, almost comical in one sense I just ran out of dried beans
1: (laughs) and I'm like it's one of the things that's selling out like crazy and it's just naturally
0: um I have I I know I I I had to laugh I'm like this is just really is for for me but um I have my seed bean and i have a little bit extra of my seed bean but i'm like i might need to grow more this year than normal i don't know so i'm not touching my seed bean for as to use as a food source as a dried bean like mm -mm. like that's that stock (laughs) is staying where it's at i had uh, (laughs) i had been intentionally running down my store-bought dried bean because i grew i just used the last of the dried beans that we had grown ourselves. And so at the time of this, it's the beginning of March, it was about six months. So, you know, I kind of need to double my dried beans if I don't want to purchase any dried bean from the store. Um, find out my green beans. But anyhow, I had had some store bought beans. And I'm like, they were getting a little bit old. You know how like you soak them and then you cook them. Yeah. And, the, and they, they never kind of get all the way done. That's where we were at. And I'm like, okay, I'm not going to restock and buy beans because I almost didn't use these in the time that I should have. They're just getting too old. And so I was purposely trying to run my stock down. And then when I got through that, I'm like, well, I need to eat what I have preserved up from our own garden first. <laughs> well, I waited a little too long. So I don't know if I <laughs> fried beans in the store, but I got lentils and split peas and I have rice. Like i you know, we'll be we fine staple wise. But I, you know, that I really had to look at, I looked at that and I'm like, okay, well, you're a homesteader and you're prepared and you ran out of dried beans, right? At the same time as
1: everybody is. But it's not just the beans though, right? So if you, okay, let's, I mean, think about it. Think about the staples. Like, honestly, you ran out of beans. I have beans. I have rice. It's always a staple here. But you want to know what I did not have in truth of the whole matter? I normally keep, okay, believe it or not, Justin likes dried milk. I don't know why, I don't like it, but I always have dried milk in the house, always have dried milk in the house. Because you know what? I have a bread machine. If I'm lazy, I will go ahead and start the bread machine the night before. I'll let it do what it needs to do, put it in the oven after it rises, kind of thing like that. I, I was completely out of um, dried milk. I usually have boxes of dried milk, okay? I, I have nothing. I went to the market to grab a couple of boxes just because we always have it. There is no dried milk. And I have a freeze dryer. And Justin's like, why did you not just freeze dry milk? I go, I didn't think about it. <laughs> yes. I didn't think about it. <laughs> you know, and it's one of those things. Dried milk, nothing. I didn't, uh, baking powder. I had only, you know, a, a jar and a half of baking powder. I didn't have any more baking powder. Right. So it's those things, you know, outside of, you know, I, I know we're joking around about this because it's, it, It's one of those frenzies, you know, the toilet paper and all that stuff. But it's it's the other things that we need to really stop and say, do we have enough of? Because honestly, I'm not going to lie to you. I have a list now of things that I know that I need to go back and grab. Like, I need to know that I have all these items. If for some reason we are in quarantine, God forbid that should ever happen. But if for some reason one of my family members is sick before it needs to be, you know, or, or, you know, like if Lola went to school, for example, and one of her kids in school had gotten quarantined, then what happens is the school, I don't know if you guys know the protocol in Washington. So if, if a child is quarantined for having COVID-19, the school then sends a notice home to the parent. And then the parent at that point keeps the child at home. The school shuts down. You monitor your child. So this is a process. You monitor your child. You're watching for all the signs and symptoms of just basic influenza including fever and whatnot. And then if if any of those symptoms appear, you call your doctor, you you immediately go into the doctor and you get tested, you know, whether or not you need to be in quarantine. So what happens is, is that basically your family is in quarantine anyways. So, because we won't know if Lola contracted it or whatever the case is. Right. So if I am stuck here with my family for X amount of time, I need to make sure that, you know, we are stocked with our basics and Honestly, I can say there were basic items in my home that I should have had more of, and that was surprising to me. Yeah, yeah. No, I, same, I did not realize that.
0: Yeah, and I'm like I said, I'm I'm going to town tomorrow, and i same as you. I've got have got a list of a few, of some items that, and this is probably going to sound funny, but one of my items is popcorn. Like, I pop my corn on the stove, on the wood stove when the power's out, but we have popcorn every weekend. Now, it's not a staple food. We absolutely could live without popcorn, but it's something that, you know, we. it's like our family movie night. We have a family movie night every weekend, and I make up a big thing of popcorn, and I'm like, I also think of it, too, because if you do go into quarantine... Which hopefully none of us do. And these are food items that we use on a regular basis. So even if I suck up on this stuff, it's going to get used. It's not like I'm stocking up on Mm -hmm. stuff that I don't absolutely or or impractically, because that is happening too. People are stocking up on stuff they don't even normally cook with just because they think (laughs) (laughs) I need to have this, which is a whole nother episode. But I'm like, okay, I'm going to stock up extra on this popcorn because if you do get in a quarantine and where we live, I haven't been quarantined for medical stuff, but we have had... Uh, mudslides that have taken out the main Right. had flooding. We've had instances where we have been stuck on our road and at our home um, and have not been able to get out and to leave. And so I know that if I can keep things as normal as possible, then that's the best because no matter how much you love your family, and I love my family, like seriously, but if you're stuck in a house with them 24-7, for a day right. on and y'all <laughs> get on everybody's <laughs> like, it's a real thing. And so I'm like, I like, I want to be able to keep life as close to possible. And, you know, in the scheme of grand scheme of things, no, popcorn's not that big of a deal, but it's one of like the things that we it's a simple pleasure that we really enjoy. it's your
1: comfort food it's, a comfort it's your food.
0: comfort and, absolutely yeah. so that's on my list I'm like I'm buying extra popcorn and I'm buying extra butter for the freezer and amen carry gold that's um, right
1: yeah yes, yes.
0: <laughs> for my so yes. Yeah. so I'm, I'm doing that too I'm, I'm kind of looking at the things um, and like I said and then we'll have extra and I'll use it but it is making me really look um, at the things and like the fruits and vegetables and the meat and the, like the chickens, I need to make sure I have food for them. They can forage if need be. So I've got eggs. I don't have a dairy source. So you were talking about the powdered milk. And so seriously, it went through my head. I'm like, well, if things really got there, we do have beef cattle, and two yep. of our cows have older calves on them, so they're still producing milk. They're not tame. They're not halter broke. Our, our cattle are not tame. But I'm like, well, we've got panels. If need be, now it might take a while. But we could tame them and break them into being milk cows and it would definitely be a project and it wouldn't be easy. But I'm like, you know, that is so in my mind, like you said, I'm always I'm planning ahead. Like if need be, this might be a route we need to go for this.
1: And I think that that's what we need to think of it as is that the lifestyle that we live, we went into into it for the main source of owning our food source, right? Of being prepared. I mean, you don't have to be a prepper to be able to be prepared for anything that happens. And this could be something as simple as, you know, not simple, but it's something as unemployment. Justin went through a period of time in two, Lola was born in uh, 2008. So in 2006, No, 2008. I'm sorry. Justin was unemployed for six months. The economy collapsed here. Do you remember that? Well, it said the economy collapsed and Justin was unemployed for six months. And this was prior, prior to homesteading. Okay. We were living in Bellevue, the suburbs, everything like that. And I knew nothing of this life but I knew that at that moment in time, unemployment was enough to pay the mortgage. I went back to work on a part-time basis. We ended up visiting local food banks, and we weren't the only suburban family to do this, okay? Um, We had seven children, so we had a lot of mouths to feed in this time, Um, and so I think that, Like right now, when I see the shelves empty and I see people just really nervous and scared. And I I think, what am I doing? You know, what what do I need to do? So when you entered this life and you were like, okay, well, I want to own my food source. It's not just about that. It's about being prepared for anything. You know, at any point in time, somebody can become unemployed. And you have to live off the resources that you have until you can actually get back on your feet again. So this isn't about necessarily prepping or, you know, in that sense, because I don't consider myself a prepper in any way, shape or form. I just consider myself a preparationist to know that what I need to do in case something should happen or Justin should get hurt at work. Right. And he's not able to claim a paycheck or whatever the case is, that my family is able to stand up on their feet all the time. I mean, there's a running joke, you know, at work is that, you know, we could all go to Ann's house. And I'm like sitting here looking at him going, you know what, I could teach you how to keep your staples in your own house. And, you know, I would welcome the company. But let me just tell you what you need. And I think that that's what we we need to really be prepared for everybody can say that they are prepared for something like this until it happens. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. And then you've got to take a step back. You've got to stop and you've got to really open up your pantry and you got to realize those 26 jars of jam that you canned last year <laughs> compared to the eight jars of meat that are sitting there is not balanced, right? right? So you need to sit there and stop and say, okay, now I'm looking at my pantry and I'm thinking about this situation on hand. What could I do differently? Guess what? 26 jars of jam are not going to be canned this year in lieu of making sure that I have enough meat put up for if something should happen. In any way, way, shape, or form. So your mindset completely shifts, and it's weird because you know, in talking to other homesteaders that don't live in my area, okay, that live across the state or in a different country or whatever the case is, they have yet to. And I'm not saying this in a in a negative way. They have yet to fully shift their mindset to stopping and saying, if I am in quarantine, where do I? Stand. You know what I mean? Yeah. And I'm I, and I will be the first one to stand on my soapbox and say, I need to reassess my situation. And you know, that that's that's the truth of the matter. Everybody who homesteads really needs to stop and reassess their situation. Then on top of that, I, I will deplore and beg that you would stop and say, if there was a neighbor or a friend or a family member that needed your help in this, that you would give them the guidance to teach them the basic core, because they're not going to stockpile food or put up food the way that we do, but we could teach them the basic core, right, of what they need in their home to think about.
0: Yeah, no, I completely agree. And it's, I didn't know that your husband actually, that you guys had went through that um oh yeah. And, uh, yeah. My daughter was born so this was in 2009 and we were living the lifestyle then though not as much as we are now. I mean really in, in the past decade uh we've we've do a lot more than we did back then. That's what I was trying to say. But he got put on um their hour, his hours got cut and it was for a full year. Now thankfully he still had his job, but they got cut uh, 8 hours a week. So they you know we were out of full days pay every week and then I was Pregnant and then went on maternity leave um, from my job, <laughs> and then you have the medical
1: bills coming in from having a yep, baby. Absolutely,
0: right. you know all those all <laughs> those things, and then I was already I was pregnant. I was uh, pregnant um, when he got put on. My daughter was born in May, and it was in October when his hours got cut, right before Christmas, actually. Um, but it was gr- this sounds so weird to say, but it was great on one hand because. I knew that we just needed to eat more from the food that we had put up and I Mm -hmm. could not purchase as much from the grocery store. And because we had that food source to put up, I just relied on it more and it was actually good because it did show me during that time period, like, Oh man, I need to grow more tomatoes. Like I realized like I use tomatoes as a base for a lot of my cooking, like for just so many things, tomato sauce. And I'm like, I got to up my tomatoes because like you said, I'm not using all of this jam. And I need to put my growing and my preserving time to some more of these different crops. So for for me at that time it was tomatoes and doing more tomato sauce to turn into different meals. Um, but it was it was actually a, a good thing. It was eye opening. Where I kind of feel like I will look back. I hope that we'll look back on this time and kind of see this, say, be able to say the same thing. Like oh, there was you know there was some good that came out of that. It, it made yeah. me see where I have yeah. holes and stuff. But I know we both were, have been talking about like you know some areas like oh man I'm I'm out of this and. And whatnot. But for those who maybe are listening and maybe you are prepared, like if you're listening to this, like, I hope, I hope, um, I hope you're like, like sisters, I'm with you. I'm, I've already got my stuff in place. (laughs) There's a few little holes I'm going to look at, but you may be listening to this and you may be like being like, man, I really don't know that I do have the basics. I don't know if I do. So I think it'd be great. Do you want to kind of list some of those basic things? Like go to your neighbor and say, Hey, um, This is where to start. Like this is where to start.
1: You know, the easiest thing that I would say is is that flour. You should have flour. I know Melissa, you mill your own flour. Which you know what? I told Justin. <laughs> I told Justin after going to the market trying to buy flour, and there was none. I go, I'm gonna go do it. Melissa doesn't mill her own flour. I was like, that's <laughs> what I'm doing. I'm buying a flour mill and I'm gonna mill my own flour, and I don't have to worry about this anymore. But flour, 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 flour is your staple. I mean, if worse comes to worse, you can fill your bellies with bread. I mean, something as easy as a no yeast bread, right? Otherwise known as Irish soda bread. Fill your bellies with that. You don't need the yeast to make any, to make that. You do need the butter. You do need the flour, you know, but, but fill your bellies with it. You know, get flour, keep flour on hand at all times. The other thing you would want to have on hand would be the, the dried milk believe it or not if you have little children in your home you know and it it came down to it the dried milk would be able to just be reconstituted and you can actually still make things with the dried milk the beans we talked about the rice we talked about as well too um you know the toilet paper you know we joke around about the toilet paper but the toilet paper is a is it's a comforting thing to individuals right? It's yeah. Because that's all they know. That's all they know to use is toilet paper. To me, I'm like, okay, we run out of toilet paper. What t-shirts can we cut up? Right? <laughs> and yeah. so, you know, it, it, that's, that's how we think, right? But to them, they don't think like that. To people who do not live this lifestyle, They Don't think about things like that. Eventually, they would. I know they would. I have faith that they would. But, you know, think about, you know, things like that. You know, your, your, what else? Baking soda, cornstarch, a great one to have on hand at all times. Um, The other thing that I noticed that was pulled out was make sure that you have enough of, um, oh, what was I just going to say? Oh, sugar. Believe it or not, you could either do sugar or honey. If you're not raising your own honeybees, you know, I can't raise my honeybees living in the mountains. I don't have an area where I could put the hives at. So I'm actually going to go to the neighbor's pasture and put a hive in his pasture. So if you're not raising honey for, you know, for cooking purposes or bees for honey, think about the type of sugar that you want to have on hand. You know, you don't need it. It's not a necessity, but it is something that a lot of people do use. Um, Salt and pepper, believe it or not, is a comfort item for many people. You know, it, it's just, we stop you, you have popcorn, there. you know, whatever you can put up in a sense of being dry, you know, my family, we, we do dessert like every night, every night is It's something or another every night for dessert. And to me, you know, I, I it, 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 it's one of those things that we would end up giving up, you know what I mean? But you, you gotta, you gotta just think about it. What can fill your belly with the little amount of stuff for storage? You know, I don't know if you know anything about Washington State or where I live. Everything is turning into townhouse style housing where you can actually high five your neighbor across the window and living Mm -hmm. in a townhouse. And so they had very little storage space. But, you know, if it takes something as putting, you know, in a Rubbermaid container, some flour, some sugar, some yeast even, or just, you know, a dehydrated sourdough starter. You know, whatever you need in that sense to just be the basics to fill your belly. And that is it. That is it. Keep yeah. your belly full. You know, um, it's not going to be nutritious. You know, you can't eat bread every single day, but it is going to fill your belly. And think about that and get some good cast iron. So then you can make something, you know, bread in your cast iron without having to worry about a bread machine.
0: Yes. And, and learning though, so, yeah. Learning like, and honestly, like learning how to make the bread now, um, yeah. start, start cooking some of these things from scratch that you normally buy from the store that if you go into quarantine, you're not going to be able to go and buy store bought bread. Now I know for a lot of listeners, you're already doing this stuff, but some of you might not be, or it's on your, it's on your list of things to get to, but I would, I hope this would be encouragement to start sooner. And I'm with you like on the flour, Like I actually, I do grind my own flour, but I do also purchase flour as well. And so I'll do a mix depending upon the recipe. Or If my kids are cooking, um, then they'll just use the store-bought flour. They don't operate the the grinder. They could. They just, they don't.
1: (laughs) And so, yeah, reality. Right, yeah, reality.
0: (laughs) But one thing, too, is I'm glad you said salt and pepper because especially the salt, like when we actually do need salt, now depending upon your low sodium for different health reasons or not, but Mm -hmm. we do need salt. And salt really makes something more palatable like, because let's just be honest, it's not going to taste good without any salt. I mean, it really helps. And even your herbs, I mean, like culinary herbs, if you just do have rice and beans, but you can throw some garlic powder in there, some onion powder, a little bit of cumin, a little bit of chili powder. um, It just brings the flavor up so much. And those are, you know, they're dehydrated for and they'll store really well. They're not going to be perishable. Um, So think about those and then for your bread like you know you were saying and like there's so many things if you just have the base of salt and flour and water and then sometimes a little bit of fat like maybe butter or milk um so much that you can make i mean you've got that flour and you've got that salt and you add an egg you've got egg noodles you know you've got your pasta um that then you can take some store-bought tomato sauce if you don't have homegrown you're not canning yet you know and and so those, like you said, the bread may not be, the flour-based products may not be the most nutritious, but they're going to allow you to stretch the staples that you do have that much further, which in a situation where you can't go to the store and replenish is really important to stretch that produce and to stretch those that meat and the vegetables that you've got. And that's kind of what the rice and, you know, as well as some of those bread Absolutely. products can yeah. do. So. Yeah, yeah, I'm I'm with you. Those are, you know, definitely my basis. And then my basic, like one of them, like I already shared, is just plain tomato sauce because you can take that tomato sauce and if you've got some of those spices and herbs, you can turn it into a quick pasta sauce, a quick spaghetti sauce. Mm-hmm. You can simmer that tomato sauce on the stove for a little bit and turn it into pizza sauce and you've got your flour and water. That's right, so, of course, chili, yeah. Yeah, there's just so many different things that you can do with a basic tomato sauce to turn it into all of, you know, different parts of
1: your meal. So that's, definitely I don't even can you, do, you, I, I don't can anything, but a basic sauce. I, I don't. Nope. I, yeah. I, I stopped doing the chili. I stopped doing the spaghetti. I just do a, a just a, a basically a, a true tomato sauce. And then I add to, you know, basically distribute it out according to what I'm going to make. You know, I would also really, you know, you said, tomatoes. I mean, you know, a lot of individuals cannot raise livestock, you know, because of the, the size of their property or they haven't gotten there yet. I would really, really, really highly suggest that you learn how to can meat, can fish. Um, those are going to be those proteins that you're going to need to keep your energy up and keep you going if you need anything. And like I said, this is anything for an employment, natural disaster, you know, whatever it is. You know, having those items and to be honest with you, if you have not spent a long day in the garden, you do not want to cook chicken fajita out of canned chicken is one of the easiest things that you're going to do. You know, so canned meat, canned meat. I mean, I I realize now that this canning season coming up, you know, I have I have 40 Cornish crosses to pick up tomorrow at the feed store. Majority of that is going to go into canned chicken. I already know it. I already know it.
0: We love, yeah. it. we love canned meat. So obviously, meat needs to be done with a pressure canner if anybody is, is newer right. to canning. I know I've, I've covered a canning a lot. A lot of you guys are really educated on canning, which is awesome. Um, but one of our favorites is smoked salmon canned. I mean, oh, my husband, yes. like, we never <laughs> run out of that. As soon as it starts to get low, like, he's pulling out the smoker. And that's something, like, he'll just take for a quick, for just lunch to work. Like, he'll, if, you know, for what, oh, yeah. he's running late, he just grabs a jar of that. And he just takes it to work or turning that. Then I love like this. I love the canned smoked salmon because it's already got that flavor in there from smoking. But like, oh, man, you can make a quick smoked salmon chowder for dinner or even salmon cakes like so fast when there's like you said, I'm like canning is the ultimate like people talk about like batch cooking and like freezer cooking. I'm like, oh, honey, like canning is the ultimate batch cooking for busy nights and no freezer required. (laughs) (laughs)
1: <laughs> no, and well, my freezers are reserved for my meat source. You know what I mean? I yeah, yeah no, that that's just the one thing. My meat source, or whatever vegetables I want to have on hand, you know, to make stir fry or whatever the case is. You know, and that's I think that that's what I would really encourage people to really do is to you know, canning jams and jellies are fun. You know that that's just something we do each year. It's a tradition of ours. I, I know it is of mine. We go, you know, to the raspberry farm, we pick our raspberries, we come back, we can them, I mean, that's what it is. But I can't tell you how many jars of raspberry jam I have in my pantry, even though we eat quite a bit of it. You know what I mean? But Justin, when he worked in Bellingham, he was in Bellingham for a year. He was gone and, wow. and only came home on Saturday nights. And this was right in the peak of writing my book, right? So he was gone. I was homesteading independently, six days out of the week, writing a book, raising children, still doing everything that I needed to do on the property and with the livestock, stock and he was gone. And so he would come home and just literally load up a small crate of canned food and take with him every single week. He'd bring back the jars and then he would load up and go again. I don't think I did. It was, it was a year. It was a year. I preserved more food that year than I had ever, ever had because he was taking it with him. So it was saving on the expense of eating out or, you know, going wherever because he was staying in hotels a lot of the time until he found a roommate. So, you know, this this is these are the things that we think about. You know what I mean? And I'm not, you know, I, I don't wanna make it clear that, you know, Melissa and I aren't really here to scare anybody, you know. I am only here because the impact of being at ground zero and You, you guys have no idea, you you know, the fear is in their faces of these people, you know, that they're, they don't, you, they don't look at people, you go anywhere anymore and everybody has their head down. Nobody wants to look at each other for fear of contracting this this virus, you know, and it it's that to me is, is, you know, when she had asked me how I was doing, I I mean, I, I just let out. I, it's emotionally exhausting. It is emotionally exhausting and I almost feel guilty knowing that my family is taken care of. And these people who are struggling because they can't even find toilet paper anywhere anymore are having a hard time. Yeah. And, you know, I, I, I can't stress it enough. You know, I cannot stress it enough that, you know, if if something as simple as learning how to brew your own colloidal silver helps to keep the viral bacteria at bay, you know, I, I, I you know, I, I just, the impact of knowing what I need to improve on. And I am a very thorough homesteader. You know what I mean? I, I This is what I do. This This is my life. And to know that the shortness that I fell upon in regards to my basic necessities and, you know, just everyday life was, is enough for me to take a step back from this and go, okay, I need to regroup my homestead to be 150% efficient versus a hundred percent efficient. And, um, and that doesn't mean stockpiling you guys, not in any way, shape or form, you know, I'm not talking about prepping. I'm talking about being 150% prepared for anything that's going to happen.
0: Yeah. And I'm with you. I don't consider myself a prepper. I kind of I don't know who originally coined this or where I originally heard this because I don't think I'm the one that actually did. Sometimes I like to think I am, but I don't think so. But this is the saying that every homesteader is prepared. Yes. Every prepper is a homesteader. And there's a difference. I feel that there's a difference in mindset. I see within the preparedness community um, a lot more fear based Mm -hmm. um, and say whatnot. And I don't. I don't operate that way. And I, it's my hope that I don't come across that way because it's never my intention either. Um, but I always look at people who do buy all these big prepper kits and these stockpiles of freeze-dried food and all this stuff. And my, and my thought is, is, one, you've spent a lot of money on this stuff. Yes. And you're not using yeah. it in your everyday life. And second, if there is a long-term catastrophic event, whatever it may be, After you go through that stuff, what are you going to do? How are you going to to regrow this? Or how are you going to do, you know, and so that's kind of, yeah. So I'm with you. I don't consider myself a prepper. I'm prepared, um, but I don't consider myself a prepper by any way, shape, or form in kind of what I feel like is a modern society definition of a prepper.
1: Yeah, definitely take a step back. I mean, I went as far as taking everything out of my pantry. I have a small house, you know, so I don't have a lot of cabinet space, but it's packed of things. And I was like, okay, well, what do I really have? You know, I don't need, Be <laughs> ready for this? I obviously don't need four little spice jars of um, whole mustard seeds. You know, because it was canning season, right? So I I had whole mustard seeds, you know? And so I, I, it really, really, really truly, I would, I really encourage every single one of your listeners to have them take a step back, go through their pantry, and really take inventory of what they have and what they need to reassess on and what they need to build on from that. I mean, canning season, you know, you and I both teach canning, right? Mm -hmm. So canning season, it's so funny when someone goes, I want to make, I wanna put up a hundred jars of pickles. And the first thing running through my thought is, oh, you're gonna hate those pickles in six months. <laughs> you know, unless you're eating pickles every single day, you do not need to put up a hundred jars of pickles because we all know pickles get soft. So it's, it's like, it's like okay, now you've got these pickles. What are you gonna do with these pickles now? Do you know what I mean? So it's, Take that assessment of, of utilizing something and, and figuring it out how and where is it worthwhile to invest that time in it elsewhere. You know, now I personally know that having a, having that much flour on hand is a necessity. Like, Justin would make fun of me. We don't need more flour. Oh, yes, we need more flour, right? Because there are days that we're making three loaves of bread versus just two loaves of bread. If I'm taking bread to somewhere, it's up to six loaves a week, So yeah, yeah, we do need that much flour. We do need that much flour in the house. And if I, you know, if Bob the Blob sourdough starter is active and ready to go, you know, then I have my sourdough, then I have regular bread and all this stuff too. But where's my, Where basically stop and ask where your energy level is and what you have based on the space that you have.
0: Yeah. Yeah. You know what I I mean? Yeah. And with the flour, yes, when you are, and I think that's another thing too, is if you're not Using the stuff so one of my goals and I don't always hit it a hundred percent like we'll be real But one of my goals is like, okay Well if i'm stocking these items Then I really need to be trying to cook like if i'm growing this stuff and preserving it I need to be cooking from it if i'm stocking yes. this stuff I need to be cooking from it on a regular basis yes. um, because otherwise it's kind of it's it, it's kind of silly to put forth all that effort and time if you're mm-hmm. not cooking from it Or then again if something happens and you're not in that practice so I have been getting more back into baking even more and doing more sourdough and all of that. And I am using in the winter months, because I tend to do less baking in the summer. We have got more food fresh coming on from the garden. And it's hot out, right. um, air conditioning. So I, I don't do as much baking in the summer months. And so over the winter, I've been doing a lot more baking, which is normal. But I realized like, I'm going through a lot more flour and I had just stocked up on flowers and i need to get more of my spelt wheat berries that's one other item that i'm almost out of but i have quite a bit of my other uh wheat berries um but i try to keep a minimum of 20 pounds of flour in my back pantry at all times and then in my cupboard where i'm actually cooking from that's like you know then i keep that full so then as soon as i start to empty out some of those bags in the back what i kind of consider like my store like where i go shopping from I I'd let it got down. I was kind of like operating on like maybe five to ten pounds, and so just two weeks ago, I'm like, man, I really need to get stocked up on my flour and sugar. So I'm I'm glad that I did, but it's also realizing if you're not cooking very much from the items that you have, and then something like this happens where you need to rely on that, you may go yeah. through it a lot faster. Than you're anticipating. So just take a look at your cooking habits and be like, am I am I using these items on a regular basis? Um, it's so that you can assess if you truly do have enough stock based upon the amount that you're using and the oftenness of it. I hope that that makes sense. I feel like it came across
1: a little. No, it did. It made. I, I mean, it made great sense to me. It made great sense. You know, and it, it goes back to you know each canning season. It, I think the wisest woman actually takes her canning jars and keeps them with where her canned food is being kept, right? Like you empty a shelf, your jar goes back. As you're rotating your jars around it, it goes back in that sense because you know what you're consuming. I have eliminated, so. I remember when I first started canning, there was so much junk. So much junk that my family did not eat, but I thought it was cool and I thought I should try canning it, right? I learned my lesson the hard way. Yes. hard way on that one. You know, and now, you know, we've all done it. We've all done it, right? And then the fear of, I don't want to pull from my can. I, I think the biggest thing that I heard in the, in the last couple of years was, um, I, it's just my canning pantry is so pretty. It's hard for me to pull from. I'm like, what? We <laughs> grab those jars and let's go to town. And so, you know, it, it, it's the, you, you know, when you belong to so many groups on, you know, social media and you have, you know, those new to canning, those who are actually doing it for, you know, doing it because it is a food source for them and, and whatnot, I think you nailed it. You need to empty that pantry. If your pantry by the end of, you know, by the end of, because you're getting ready for your new harvest, right? By the end of spring has not been depleted by at least 50%, then you need to reassess what you're putting up, right? But now you're adding on, okay, my family did eat 26 jars of jam. And then, but now that we're talking about this, this situation, this, this, this virus that has, you know, reached our soils, you know, maybe you need to now dedicate you know, a little bit more of that pantry space into something else that is a little bit more sustainable and filling and, you know, protein driven, Uh, you know, I I can't not express it enough, how important bone broth is to a pantry. And that was the other thing, you know what I've been doing all week, canning bone broth. (laughs) (laughs) Um, I'm not going to lie to you. I I, I have the bones in the freezers. And so what it was for me was, you know, why do I not have more bone broth in my pantry? You know what I mean? If worse comes to worse, I can still give my family the true benefits that they need out of it by just adding a little bit of canned meat to it and making a soup out of it. And that's going to fill them and it's going to keep them healthy and it's going to really soothe them. And it's a comfort item. So I would really encourage you to put up a lot of bone broth this year. A lot of it, a lot of it. And that is, what you know, when you ask me what my staples were, there's another one, bone broth. Yeah, definitely bone broth.
0: In fact, I uh, I cook my rice in my bone broth instead of water because it does add flavor and the nutrition. Oh, it it we're does, talking yeah. about rice. Yeah. So yeah. that's one thing I do. But I wanted to circle back because it's so funny what you were saying. About um, I'm feeling like a wise woman because I always put my empty jars back where they're at and rotate through. So I'm like, oh right, yay! I'm wise. (laughs) You Um, are very wise. That was I had to laugh. I was in my head. I'm like, oh, I gotta. But one of the things I was gonna mention is, you know, right now because it's March and the majority of my warm weather crops, where that I'm really filling my canning jars with, you know, that doesn't really start. Some of my fruit will come on, and I'll start with like the strawberries and the rhubarb in June. Um, and asparagus in May and June but really it's the end of July when it's like canning mm-hmm. season time for me and then it's all right. August and September and so right now like because I am using my stock though but like a lot of my jars or shelves excuse me they're emptying out especially like in my back pantry and I'm like I, I was I was going through and I was looking at what I have left I'm like yay I'm using my stock but I'm like oh man like if we really need to eat from this more, you know, during the upcoming months, like I, which is perfect because I'm getting ready to seed start my tomatoes and my peppers. I've already seed started my onion seeds. I'm like, I might need to plan this year to plant a little bit more than I usually do and up, you know, up up this. So on one hand, it's, it's kind of a good time for the garden planning because I can look at this and be like, okay, I need to increase this and do less of that, which I kind of normally do anyways. But, um, it is a little bit of a weird feeling seeing so many empty jars. And I have to remind myself, well, it's because you're, you're, you're eating what you're putting up and that's the goal. But there's a little bit of me that's like, oh, I hate it seeing so many empty jars. Yeah,
1: yeah. But then, you know, that's where it leads to. We go back and reassess, you know, the, the thing about our lives is this, is that no one year is the same the next right? It's never the same. You may only have space for 150 jars in that area, but you'll come to reassess that space really well. And then at that point, you'll know what your family feeds out of. Like before I used to can so much strawberry jam. My family loves strawberry jam. Guess what they don't eat anymore? Strawberry jam. (laughs) So it's something as simple as now they've switched to triple berry jam or raspberry jam. But the point of it is, is that no pantry, no freezer, no food storage in any way, shape or form, will be the same as it was the previous year. Something will modify, adjust, whether children are moving out or more children are being born or the taste of what you're preserving is different. Your crop yield was completely hit with, you know, blight or whatever the case is. It's different each and every year. And it's how you maximize what you're doing for something like that. You know what I mean? It, yeah. it's, it's knowing, you know, if you cannot, your garden flops, and we hear this all the time, right? My garden flops. I got nothing out of it. Okay, so where do you go? Where do you go? Because you still want to preserve your food because you still want a clean food source, right? So you go to your local farmer's market and you're like, you know, and I, I, can, I can vouch for this. I can vouch for this because when you live in the mountains at high elevation like I do, I cannot grow peppers. I cannot grow peppers. I am building a greenhouse right now where I'll be able to house just a small amount of peppers, but I can't grow jalapenos. I can't grow chilies. I can't grow bell peppers to the quantity that I would need to put up. So I go to my local farmer's market and I ask to buy in bulk and they give me a really good discount. So, you know, those are things that those are tips and tricks that, you know, you need to learn how to do because nothing is the same each and every year. You may get a great bumper crop of tomatoes this year, But guess what? Next year, you might not. Does that mean that you suffer in not being able to put up these food items? You know, we know. We know that we want to make it accommodated and know what's in it. Those jars have our love and our touch in it because we know what we put in them. Yeah. And I look at these people here who ransacked the um, pasta was another thing that was empty. Spaghetti. Spaghetti. All those noodles, gone. 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 So, you know, and it's like one of those things that's like, oh my gosh, you know, you were talking about eight Heck yeah, make eight every day of the week, you know, but then I got to stop back and I got to stop and think, okay, they don't have eight, you know, yeah. they don't have the flower like we do and they don't think about it. it. We live a truly blessed life. I mean, there, I'm going to say it. I'm going to stamp it. We live a truly blessed life. And I think that those of us who are in one field or the other in regards to, you know, you know, saying, oh, you're just, you know, you're being, you know, you're being silly. It's not a big deal. Don't worry about it. When you look at people like I have in this last week, because it's only been a week in truth, right? We're running on Friday next week, tomorrow. I mean, it's only been a week. And I look at these people and I'm like, I can feed myself without going to the market. And it makes me sick to my stomach. I mean, I, I, and I think that that's the part that I say that it's emotionally draining. It makes me sick to my stomach to know that. And I told Melissa this, that I cannot help these people. And I know that my family is taken care of. So, you know what I mean? So, you know, just, just, if you see, I, I would just, you know, totally just say, you know, to those people who thought that I was, you know, putting fear mongering all these people to what's happening. It's, it's not about that. It's about, you know, us living this life and sharing what we know with these individuals, you know, people used to, you know, mock me when I first started this whole social media, you know, journey that I'm on of, we don't want to see your chickens anymore. We don't want to see your food anymore. And it's like, you know what, maybe you want to see my chickens and see my food now, because then you'll see how easy it is to do what I do. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. I keep my personal page, my personal page. I keep my business page, my business page. But honestly, I may start intertwining it all. Because, you know, these people are the same people that I see throughout the week. Yeah. So. Thank you so much for
0: coming on and, and sharing your heart and, and talking about everything with this. Um, for everybody who's listening who might, might not know you, but now they do. Um, where's, where's, the best <laughs> spot, um, for people to, to learn more about you
1: and, and just to share in the journey. I am actually a farm girl the making, I have a website. Oh, my, I have a book. <laughs> I cannot even think I have, um, I'm the author of the firm, the farm girl's guide to preserve and the harvest. And it's basically your A to Z on, um, how to live a sustainable life by preserving foods. Um, and on top of that, I just am now working on my podcast through, com- of a few friends, including Melissa, that I needed to get out there and just get it done. And um, that's going to be launching here within the next couple of weeks. It's called The Simple Homesteading Life. And, um, you know, you can find me there, of course, Instagram, Facebook, YouTube. We're relaunching our YouTube channel as well, too. Um, it's just basically my journey from leaving suburban America and living a fully functioning, sustaining life and teaching others how to do it along the journey. It, it's just been one of those things for
0: me. Awesome. Well, thanks for coming on. And I really appreciate it. And I know we'll be in touch and, and I'll you know, keep people updated. And, and hopefully this is just you know, a short-lived thing and right. it doesn't have long-reaching implications. Um, but regardless, I hope that it gives, you a, gives everybody a little bit of a time to reassess and to look at things and shift and make changes where need be. So thanks for coming
1: on. Thank you for having me.
0: Okay, guys, I hope that you enjoyed today's episode and maybe have some food for thought and definitely have some areas where you now have a game plan and things that you're going to look at and assess and maybe change in what you're doing or maybe just upping things you're already doing. And if growing more of your own food is on your game plan, which I hope it is, that's my goal every year is to grow just a little bit more than what we did the year before, I am doing the free preview of the organic gardening workshop this March, starting March 18th. So all online, all virtual, all free. You do need to register and snag your seat. So you can go to melissaknorris.com forward slash workshop and get registered because it's over 26 videos all on doing organic vegetable and fruit gardening in your backyard and you are not going to want to miss it. Some amazing information totally for free. And to access today's episode, the blog post, I'll have links to to some of the things that Anne and I was talking about, along with further resources, so canning and doing sourdough and some different recipes for baking your own bread. So if some of the things that we were talking about, you're like, yes, I definitely want to learn that skill set right now. Then you can go to melissaknorris.com forward slash two four four because this is episode number two hundred and forty four, and get those resource links as well. Okay. Thank you so much. I can't wait to be back here with you next Friday.